This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the final post-game live for the calendar year of 2023, 2023-24 season. Before we get started, you already know the drill. Make sure you are following us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod, and subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper for all things LA sports, LA basketball, and NBA. And before we get started tonight, and of course, if you're a Clipper fan, Locked On Clippers on all platforms, subscribe on YouTube. Guys, we're almost at 10K. We didn't hit 10K by 2023, but I did say my goal this year was to hit 5K subscribers, and we did that and exceeded that. So thank you guys all so, so much, especially my loyal, loyal Dime Dropper fam. I know exactly who you are, and you know exactly who you are. And as I always say, one day I will repay you. Now, let's talk about these two Laker games. Saturday and Sunday, both losses for the purple and gold, or should I say these days, the purple and piss, because that jersey color is just terrible. So let's talk about it. And oh, by the way, before we do get started, my LA Rams are in the playoffs, baby. Who would have predicted that? Who would have predicted that? Even I didn't predict that. Puka Nakua, one of the best statistical seasons for a rookie wide receiver. Kyron Williams, what a year he had. Three touchdowns today. And Matt Stafford showing everybody that when he has a real O-line that's not completely decimated, he is still a beast. Our offense wasn't just throw it a coop and hope for the best this season. We had a real run game, and we're back in the postseason after one year out. It's a great time to be a Rams fan, baby. I cannot wait. And you better believe you're going to be seeing some postseason coverage on this channel, whether it be me going live after the playoff game or me going to the game if we are lucky enough to host, which we probably won't be. But anyway, let's talk about the Lakers, right? This is a therapy session for my Laker fans. It's a tough one. I know there's not going to be a lot of people on here, especially for it being New Year's Eve. Lakers lost two games in a row. They just want to get away from it and start drinking or whatever they do. Now, let's talk about the Timberwolves game first. I thought both of these games were really intriguing to me. The Lakers, look, they are struggling right now. They're 17-17. and 17. People are really questioning, is this roster good enough? Can Ham coach this roster to a championship? Is Ham good enough? Well, let me just say this. I don't know if... I've said before the season, I don't think the Lakers are good enough to win the championship. But I said that was a LeBron and AD thing, not a supporting cast thing. But LeBron and AD have honestly brought it, especially Anthony Davis. It really does feel like a supporting cast thing. And here's the thing. Darvin Ham, yeah, has he been great this season? No. Has he made questionable lineup decisions? Absolutely. But I really think he's not the biggest issue at all. I don't know if the roster is good enough. And maybe they should trade for a third star. Maybe they should. Because LeBron and AD, the uncomfortable truth is, they are not two of the best five players in the NBA like they were in 2020. They're not. As good as they are, they might be two top ten players. They're not two top five players. And their supporting cast, is it as good as 2020? It's not. You had Caruso, KCP, in the regular season, Avery Bradley. But in the, in the bubble, KCP and Caruso and Danny Green, all at the point of attack, really let LeBron and AD have more help and the back line. They don't have that right now. 
Let's talk about the Timberwolves game. So I turned the TV on. They're up 17 to 10. Immediately, some bad calls going against the Lakers, and that would prove to be a theme in, in the game. D'Angelo Russell got slapped by Rudy Gobert. Absolutely no call. Rui Hachimura got fouled. No call. Gets a technical. Off of that, the Wolves went on a 16-2 run, and you know how it goes. Anthony Edwards, impossible to stay in front of. No Laker could stay in front of him all night, whether it was AD, whether it was Torian Prince, whether it was Cam Reddish. They could not stay in front. And, of course, if you've been following the Lakers, the starting lineup remained the same. Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt, Torian Prince, Anthony Davis, and LeBron. So they were trying to switch one through four. With Anthony Davis, they were actually hedging the screens, rotating, and then letting him recover. But what that was allowing was some threes that were semi-open for Nas Reed. And he was absolutely amazing. And the Wolves in the first half hit seven threes. A lot of them were good looks because of the scheme. And honestly, if I'm the Lakers, I don't think it's a terrible idea. But the role players for the Wolves were hitting, whether it be Nas Reed, Mike Conley, even Troy Brown, former Laker, hit a three in the corner in the first half. So the Wolves went on a 16-2 run to end that first quarter. But Anthony Davis, he was absolutely incredible in the first half. Great overall in the game, but in the first half, just incredible. Defensively, and you know what I've noticed watching AD the last couple of years? He likes playing against Rudy Gobert. He's very comfortable against him. He takes him away from the paint, makes him guard, and for whatever reason, AD just seems like he hits his mid-range and his jumper against Gobert, but when he gets, when he backs off a lot, that gives AD a running start to use his strength and leverage to create a little space against Gobert, sometimes get him on his heels and then pull back using his handle, and then other times, just his wingspan, he's so tall he can get off shots over the top of Rudy Escar Gobert. So I did not notice the defensive impact of Gobert nearly as much with the way Anthony Davis was. He was dominating around the basket, finishing everything, you know, being in that dunker spot, receiving passes, and cleaning up whatever was left, a little junkyard dog of sorts. Shout out to my boy Jack Lynch from college. I used to call him the junkyard dog. Anthony Davis, 17-7. and seven. That's seven rebounds in the first quarter. And by the way, defensively, one thing I felt was interesting, the Lakers were okay switching Rui on a Gobert and Towns and AD onto Ant. I'm sorry, Torian. Braun and AD onto Ant, I believe. Not Towns and AD. Doesn't make sense. Oh, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. Rui Hachimura. Lakers were okay switching Rui Hachimura. Rui Hachimura. Fuck. Onto Rudy Gobert or Carl Anthony Towns. Both of them, they were okay with switching. AD was guarding Ant at times. No problem. So the Lakers switching that. I don't even know how you can label it position-wise. I want to say four and five pick and roll, but when they have Jared Vanderbilt, LeBron James, and Rui Hachimura, three guys that typically play as that second biggest guy on the court next to AD, I don't know how even how to even describe that. But let's put it this way. Lakers were switching basically everything, but they were hedging with AD a lot in that first quarter. That first quarter in which the Lakers were up 31-29 after one. I thought the effort level was good. Energy was good. Second quarter, LeBron, I thought he started the quarter well. The Lakers went up 10. I thought he made some really good passes, but the Wolves responded with a 9-0 run of their own. Defensively, the Lakers were switching two through five with Prince, 
Reddish, LeBron, and AD, and the Wolves were looking to make Anthony Edwards attack Torian Prince on those switches. Not to say that Torian Prince was pl playing super horrendous defense, but he can't stay in front of a lot of guys. I've noticed his lateral quickness is not that great. It's not. And Anthony Edwards, he was getting whatever he wanted. They just could not stay in front of him. They just couldn't. By any stretch. I just love Ant-Man's relentlessness, to be honest. I thought D'Angelo Russell, and it's crazy because I'm just looking at the box score for the first time. I think he actually had a really solid half. I thought he was doing the right things, taking the right shots. When he'd miss, AD would follow it up. Had some really good passes on drives. Defensively, he was pretty quiet. They were like hiding him pretty nicely. But I thought he was actually pretty good. And then, But you know who else was pretty good, really good? Nas Reed. He was cooking in transition. There were two terrible live ball turnovers for the Lakers. One where LeBron just outletted it carelessly and they scored. And then another one where Torian Prince was on a fast break and just made the wrong pass, picked up his dribble too early before the defender committed on a fast break. Nas Reed stole the ball, went coast to coast. And one thing I liked about Nas Reed is, I mean, I know he can shoot. I know he's got a handle, but I liked his decisions when he chose to go to the rim. When he saw a smaller guy or he saw Christian Wood defending the basket, he was like, I'm going straight to the fucking rim. Christian Wood, it's good to see that he's gotten three straight games of minutes, and I think he absolutely helps over Jackson Hayes. Now, he hurts the defense. He helps your offense. So you're going to have to do a little give and take there. I think the Lakers need it. Um, but, yeah. 16 points in the first half for Nas Reed, 15 for Anthony Edwards. For Anthony Davis, though, 21, 10, and 5 with two steals. And at the half, the Lakers were down 57 to 61. So they were just hanging around. Remember, this is the best team in the Western Conference right now by record, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And they're 13 and 1 at home at this point. Now, Lakers played a nine-man rotation with Rui, Christian Wood, D'Lo, and Reeves coming off the bench. The Wolves played a nine-man rotation with Kyle Anderson, Nas Reed, Troy Brown Jr., and Nikhil Alexander-Walker off the bench. Usually, they had someone bigger than Nas Reed at the five, so either Towns or Gobert at the five. Lakers, not so much. Christian Wood was their backup five, which you know that means they're going to be a little smaller, a little bit more vulnerable around the basket. Now, third quarter. Lakers basically went to switching one through five with their starters, straight up. Anthony Davis guarding Anthony Edwards at times, Anthony Davis being willing to guard Mike Conley, and of course, this is what you're going to see in the playoffs, and I'm warning you now, Rudy Escargobert not being able to take advantage of a Jared Vanderbilt or a Torian Prince or a Cam Reddish. That stuff is going to come to bite him in the playoffs when teams switch everything on the Wolves. But the third quarter was a lot of trading baskets, a lot of trading baskets, Austin Reeves, I thought he was particularly frustrating, not in the sense that he was doing the wrong things, but he couldn't make an open shot. He got so many open threes, so solid looks that he normally makes, and he could not make those shots. And LeBron was really quiet too. Through three quarters, he was not playing well. He was not hitting shots. His defense was actually pretty good. He got a couple of steals, a couple of interceptions, or one interception. But he was very quiet overall defensively and offensively, just wasn't making that same impact that he normally has. Felt like almost like he has to do too much in the lineups that he's playing. And then, you know, the Wolves have a lot of good defenders. Uh, Anthony Davis went drop coverage on Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Clearly the Lakers were okay with having him shoot slightly different than a Mike Conley or an Anthony Edwards where you don't want to let him have those pull-up threes. 
Now, as the quarter went on, the Lakers started to be a little bit more resistant, switching AD onto the Ant-Man. Why? Because it pulls Anthony Davis away from the basket. Anthony Edwards can get by him. And then who's the backline protection? It's really about Jared Vanderbilt and LeBron. And I don't think that LeBron's defensive impact was that strong in terms of backside, backline rim protection in this particular game. Jared Vanderbilt, I want to mention him. I thought he actually played pretty well in this game. His cuts were really good. He was finishing off those. He created three turnovers I counted in the game. A couple offensive fouls, one interception. So I liked what I saw from him. You look at his stat line, he played 27 minutes. He had eight points and five rebounds to go along with an assist and two steals. No turnovers, three for seven from the field. He shot two threes, missed them both. And that's the issue with Vando, why he's not getting 30 plus minutes. Because he really does help the defense. But offensively, he is not respected. And Darvin Ham, as a result, is not trusting him a lot. So for Darvin in this game, I'm sorry, not Darvin, Jared Vanderbilt to have 27 minutes, uh, I think that was maybe a little bit too low, especially considering he knows Minnesota pretty well. But it's hard. It's, it's what I said about the Lakers is they really don't have like an OG Ananobi that the Knicks just traded for. They don't have a guy that's good enough to start on a championship-level team that's competent enough offensively and is a great point-of-attack defender. They just don't have that guy. They don't have their KCP. They don't have their Caruso. Vanderbilt is good, but offensively, he's not earning enough trust from Darvin Ham, and that's really hurting the Lakers. And then Torian Prince, he's not a lockdown defender. He's a solid big body with athleticism. And then Reddish... Like, if you're relying on Cam Reddish to be a top two point of attack defender for you, you're probably not going to win at all. The Lakers entirely rely on Anthony Davis too much defensively to bail him out constantly. Speaking of bad defense, Rui Hachimura, bad closeouts in this game. No matter who it was against, it felt like he just, when he was running out onto the perimeter, he was getting blown by. No issues. And speaking of issues, Lakers had tons staying in front of the Ant-Man, who got more aggressive as the game went on, even had a little bit of a scare with ankle injury, didn't miss even a second. Got right back in the game. So he was good. Torian Prince, towards the end of that third quarter, made a huge play when the Lakers were down by six. He stole the ball from Ant-Man, and he did it twice, by the way. Hit a three to make it 72-75. And D'Lo took a huge charge to end the third. The third quarter was 21-20 in favor of the Wolves, which meant that they had a five-point lead going into the fourth quarter quarter 77 to 82 now if i'm the lakers at this point i am right there i'm right there in striking distance just need lebron to be better just need austin reeves to be better now here's the issue we're not making threes when i say we i'm just looking at it from a laker fan perspective they're not making threes which is normal they're not a very good three-point shooting team the wolves are hitting their threes so you're going to need some easy baskets in the paint. Of course, Rudy Gobert's their rim protector, so that makes things hard. You're going to need to make some shots on the outside. Who can do that? Your big four, D'Lo, Reeves, and those two. But D'Lo went out of the game. He got injured on that charge attempt, the tailbone. So get well soon, D'Lo. That's a big miss for the Lakers right now because they just struggle to generate great offense a lot. Fourth quarter, Lakers were switching Braun onto Conley and Ant. They were letting Vando switch onto Towns because LeBron would be guarding Towns. Vando was guarding Conley, so they were very okay with switching that, which I would be as well. 
the Wolves were not switching Nas Reed onto Austin Reeves. They were putting him in drop coverage, and they were trusting McDaniels to fight over those screens. And I have to say, I thought Austin Reeves did a good job of creating space using his handle on Jaden McDaniels, who's one of the best point-of-attack defenders in the NBA, but he wasn't hitting shots, and the Lakers needed him. Now, here's where things got really sketchy for the Lakers. The flopping technical on Jared Vanderbilt when Mike Conley shoved off on him was really weird. And when I'm talking about the Lakers getting shafted by calls, that's a good thing. That means that there's some justice in this world and there are real basketball gods and a god in the first place because they can't just be the ones getting the benefit of everything all the time. And they do very much throughout history. I can't think of one franchise that has gotten more of the benefit on calls. So let's talk about how things went wrong. The flopping tech on Vando, that was a big momentum changer. Scheme-wise, Carl Anthony Towns was a little hesitant to switch on a LeBron in that fourth. They were hedging. One time, LeBron made a pass to Wood for a four-on-three, and he turned the ball over. Another thing that hurt the Lakers, Anthony Davis missing two free throws in the fourth quarter. Big time. Then, when AD got a monster block on Jaden McDaniels, LeBron got clobbered at the rim by Anthony Edwards. No call at all. Very shocking. Again, LeBron these days is a Laker. He does not get a great whistle around the rim. Now, a change for the Lakers. They started going AD drop coverage, but then they switched. They were going back and forth. Reddish was being uh, trusted to guard Rudy or switch on to Rudy. And Ant when Anthony Davis started guarding Ant-Man, he got mixed one time. And after that, they were just going more to the drop coverage because Anthony Edwards was just shaking him up. Now, Christian Wood hit two huge threes in the fourth for the Lakers to keep him within striking distance, and it looked like the game was over when Mike Conley hit a three to put the Wolves up 107-100. to Lakers find a way to climb back. LeBron finally had a good quarter. He was very good in the fourth. It looked like too little too late, but then he had a controversial moment where he hit a three, but it wasn't a three. Now, Laker fans were just completely outraged about this all over my timeline on Twitter. And I looked at every angle I could, and it looked like a clean three. But as you zoom in and as his foot went forward, it's very hard to tell whether it was on the line at all. It really may have been. I've seen it so many times, and I still don't know. It was almost like an optical illusion. Here's what they ruled. They said it was a two, and it wasn't enough to overturn it. Now, normally you see them rule it a three, and then they get a chance to overturn it. The Lakers just kind of got shafted on this one. I don't know what it was. Uh, there was. I know there was that freeze frame of LeBron pointing, but there was a, as the play continues, his foot went forward just a little bit. So it was weird. The Lakers did get that cheese early on in the season against the Phoenix Suns when they had that timeout that they were given very generously. The league came out and said if it's inconclusive, it's not enough to overturn. And to be honest, it wasn't enough to overturn. If I'm saying conclusive evidence, it was not conclusive because I still don't know, talking to you a day after, what it was. But the Lakers still had another chance because Ant-Man missed a free throw and LeBron didn't even get a shot off. So again, just LeBron had a good fourth quarter, but that very last couple minutes, not good. Another game of LeBron not closing great. I think he and Austin Reeves mainly caused them this game. Cost them this game. But let's look at the stat line. The final score was 108-106 to in favor of Minnesota. They're now 14-1 at home. The Lakers are 6-12 on the road. As a team, the Wolves shot 
which is different than the Lakers, who shot 42% despite shooting 12 more shots and 8 more free throws. The Wolves turned the ball over 19 times to the Lakers' 10. That's amazing. But it just felt like the Wolves took advantage of the Lakers' turnovers better. I don't know. Lakers, if the fact that they turned the ball over that many times, you got to take advantage of that. The Lakers had 12 more shots and 8 more free throws and still lost. That's no good. Wolves shot 50% from the field, 35% from three. Lakers only 29% from three, seven for 24, whereas the Wolves shot 12 for 34. So they had five more threes from the foul line. The Wolves were 20 for 24, 83%, pretty good. Lakers 25 for 32, 78%. So not bad. Let's read the lines for the Lakers individually. Christian Wood got the least amount of minutes with 13, and I thought he was pretty effective. Seven points, five rebounds, and a nice block. He did have two turnovers, but he shot 50% from the field, two for four, and 100% from three. But one of the seven missed free throws came from him, one for two. You want to see him hit that. Rui Hachimura only got 17 minutes, but honestly, I don't blame Darvin Ham in this game because he wasn't great on either end. Five points, one rebound, didn't check in in any other statistical category. He was 2-for-8 from the field and 0-for-1 from 3. He did make his only free throw attempt on that and one he had in the first half, but not a very good game for Rui. And again, he's a role player, and that's what he's going to be in this league. I don't think he's ever going to be a star. He's going to be inconsistent. Then you had D'Angelo Russell, who sadly only played 20 minutes. 5 points, 1 rebound, 3 assists, and a turnover. He was actually a team-worst minus 19 but I don't know. This doesn't, again, you can't take plus minus to the bank. I don't think he was that bad. One for four from the field. One for, or I'm sorry, 0 for one from deep. Three for four from the foul line. Again, you'd like to see him make all four of those. But yeah, D'Lo, they need him back. And I think it hurt not having him in the fourth. Then you had Cam Reddish, who played 22 minutes. And I thought he was pretty quiet. Four points, three rebounds, four assists. On two for seven shooting and 0 for one from three. No free throw attempts. In 22 minutes. Look, Cam Reddish, he just, I don't think he's a starter on a championship team. I give him the chance to be a rotation player on a championship team, but I don't think he needs, he can be a starter on a championship team. Truly don't. Then you had Jared Vanderbilt, who I already read his stat line eight points, five rebounds, and assist, and two steals. He was a plus 10, but he had five fouls, so that may have limited his playing time. 3 for 7 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3. But he made both his free throws, so you like to see that if you're a Laker fan. Then you had Austin Reeves, who really, you just needed some shot making from him in this one. He had 9 points and 2 rebounds, 0 assists, 2 for 11 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3. He was 5 for 6 from the line, so you'll take that. But they just needed better shooting from him. They could have used better shooting from Rui Hachimura as well, or Cam Reddish. Then there's Torian Prince, who shot three for six from three. He's been shooting the ball from three better lately, but three for nine overall. Nine points, two rebounds, one assist, three steals. Two of those came on Ant. Three turnovers, though. One of them was pretty costly, but he was a team best plus 15 in 33 minutes. Is 33 minutes too much? To be honest, I don't think so in this game. I think his defense was pretty good. And he did shoot 50% from three. And he made more three-pointers in this game than any Laker. So I think it was fine, to be honest. Uh, especially with D'Lo missing the whole fourth quarter. LeBron James. Again, his stat line doesn't look that bad. 26 points, three rebounds. Only three rebounds is not great. 
They got out-rebounded by six, 45 to 39. But yeah, uh, three rebounds, six assists, three steals, one block, only one turnover. So you like to see that. 10 for 21 from the field, so he kept it pretty efficient. Only one for four from three, though. Five for seven from the line. That's pretty standard for LeBron. The stat line doesn't look bad, but it just didn't feel like he had enough of an impact until the fourth quarter, and it was a little too little too late. Should have been better in 39 minutes. I think you needed him to be better. Because Minnesota's no joke. AD, 33 points, 17 rebounds, 8 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks. He was um, unbelievable. He continues to just be great. 2 turnovers on 12 for 17 shooting, 1 for 2 from 3. So remember what I said, his jumper seems to be coming back a bit. And 8 for 10 from the line. You'll take that. I thought he was the only player you can really say. I'd say him, Vando, Torian, and uh, Christian Wood. I thought they were solid. Everybody else needed to be better. For Minnesota, let's see. Only 8 minutes for Troy Brown made 1-3 one on 1 for 3 shooting and 1 for 2 from 3. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I've been really impressed with his defense so far this season when I've watched these two games against the Lakers. 6 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. On two for four shooting, and all those shots were threes in 16 minutes of play. Kyle Anderson, on the quieter side for him in this game. Four points, three rebounds, seven assists, and a block. He always does make a positive impact, though. Two for four from the field, 0 for one from three. And then you had Nas Reed, who had 21 points, five rebounds, an assist, two steals, two blocks, two turnovers. On 8 for 11 shooting, 2 for 5 from 3, and 3 for 4 from the line in 27 minutes. He was just awesome. He absolutely deserves to be in the 6th man of the year conversation. Keep an eye out on him. They gave him the bag this summer, and he deserved it. Those are the bench players for the Wolves. Then the starters all played 29 minutes or more. Carl Anthony Towns, because of how well Nas Reed played and his 5 fouls, he only played 29 minutes, and he just had 9 points, 9 rebounds, and 2 assists. He turned the ball over 5 times. He's an offensive foul machine. He was a team-worst minus 23 on 3-for-7 shooting, 1-for-4 from 3, and 2-for-2 two two from the line. Carl Anthony Towns, he's the third best player on this team after Gobert and Edwards, but I don't trust him at all in the playoffs. He's the second best scorer on this team. Jaden McDaniels, I'm sorry, they all played 26 minutes or more. He played 26. He was pretty quiet, I think, on both ends. But remember, I am watching this game from a Laker fan's perspective. Six points, three rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block, one turnover. He fouled out of the game. He was two for six on the field and 0 for one from three and made both of his free throws. And then you had Mike Conley, my, one of my least favorite players of all time. 15 points, four rebounds, seven assists, one steal, only one turnover on four for 11 shooting, four for nine from three, and three for four from the line. I thought he was really solid. Feels like almost every shot he's going to take from three is going to go in. High IQ ball like he always does. And then the main man himself, the Ant-Man. What a season he's having. Leading his team to a number one seed. That cannot be understated. 31 points, three rebounds, three assists, three blocks. He did have three turnovers though. But 10 for 23 from the field, 2 for 8 from 3, 9 for 11 from the line. Now that I can see how easy it is for him to get to the basket, there's no excuse for him to take so many contested jumpers. There really isn't. He's so good getting to the hole. Now, let's talk about the New Orleans game. This was a complete and utter disaster. The Lakers 
looked like they were a team on the second night of a back-to-back. There was no Trey Murphy for the late, uh, for the Pels, no D'Lo, no Reddish, who, by the way, is being load-managed with this groin injury. And I can tell you, somebody who has a groin injury and has had one for months, it is lingering. It hurts and gets re-aggravated every single time I play. So I kind of sympathize with him. But if I was you know, getting paid, I would have to force myself to get out there. And they're being very cautious, but right now, without Cam Reddish, their point of attack defense really takes a hit. And without D'Lo, their scoring takes a hit. And you saw both of those in this game, and they just didn't come out with any intensity at all. No defense. The Pelicans, they have a couple of non-shooters in their starting lineup from three. Zion Williamson, who doesn't take any threes. Jonas Valanciunas, who doesn't take any threes. Herb Jones, who's typically not a good three-point shooter, went three for five from three in this game. So that's tough. He's only 31% on the season going into tonight. And then you have Brandon Ingram, who's usually not a very willing three-point shooter. He's only shooting 33% in this uh, going into this game. He was lights out as well. The Pels shot 50% from three in this game and 52% from the field to go along with 81.5% from three. It's going to be hard to win a game on the road when they're shooting like that. And if you watch the game that the Lakers played against them in the semifinals of the in-season tournament, and then you watch this game, it's like two completely different teams. This looked like a team that's old. They're on a second out of a back-to-back. They're missing key players, and they did not have the juice to overcome it. Anthony Davis and LeBron James were decent. They were, you know, those two and Austin Reeves had 20-plus points. But the rest, I mean, defensively just wasn't good enough. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Lakers, matchups to start the game. AD on Valanchunas. Torian Prince on Brandon Ingram. Jared Vanderbilt on CJ McCollum. Rui Hachimura on Zion. LeBron on Herb Jones. Now, if you recall, so they went with Rui Hachimura instead of Reddish. I have no issue with that, really. It's a little big. AD, LeBron, Vando, Rui. It's four Guys, I can play power forward, essentially, and then Torrey and Prince. So I would I would prefer to start Reeves in a situation like that, personally. But the, considering they conceded 42 points in the first, I don't know if I'd say that looking back. The Lakers were switching one through four. Here's what I was surprised by. LeBron guarded Zion really well in that semifinal. I know they wanted Rui guarding him because he's a big body and he, he wouldn't get overpowered. But honestly, they should have probably put him on Herb. The fear with Rui on Herb is Herb is super athletic. He can fly out of nowhere and just get so high off the ground that Rui has no chance. But LeBron is the better option because he can put a body on him. Well, Rui could kind of put a body on him too. And LeBron is really good at guarding Zion as he showed. I think it was a mistake, and Zion was getting too many easy baskets. Now, on the other side, you had JV guarding AD, and I thought AD was able to get the better of him for the most part, um, scoring a good amount early on pick and rolls. Ingram guarding Braun, and he did a pretty good job to start. CJ McCollum on Torian Prince, Zion on Rui Hachimura, and Herb Jones on Jared Vanderbilt. So I was surprised that Herb Jones wasn't guarding LeBron, but of course the Pels were switching here and there as well. Now, the Lakers were going drop coverage when Zion was the ball handler in pick and roll. And, I mean, Zion was getting a good amount of easy baskets, to be honest. I did not notice Anthony Davis's defensive impact like that in this game. I don't know if it was because it was a back-to-back. I don't know if it's because Jonas Valanciunas was doing more pick and pops than pick and rolls, trying to take him away from the basket, knocking down that mid-range shot. 
or if Zion Williamson is just such a good finisher that it negates the great blocking, uh, shot blocking ability of Anthony Davis. And the Pels, they were switching the three through four. You know, they were very okay with letting LeBron go at Zion. And one time LeBron settled for a three with Zion guarding him in the first quarter after a hook shot, though. Uh, so he had a, I'm sorry, before a hook shot. LeBron hit a hook shot. Then the next possession, he dribbled the air out of the ball, isolated and bricked. I, I hate those possessions. Whether it's James Harden, LeBron, Luka, when you dribble the whole clock and everyone's just standing there watching and you brick, like, I just can't stand that shit. First quarter, CJ McCollum was scorching hot. Scorching. You know, he was just taking what the defense was giving him and he was giving a lot of clean looks. Also some contested, but he was hitting everything. And then the Lakers went to a zone and... CJ got a wide open three on the left wing off that zone. So they had, it's crazy you have that lineup of Prince, LeBron, AD, Vando, and Rui, and you can't guard. You know what that tells me? You don't have enough good point of attack guys. And LeBron in the first half, his defense was dog shit. Like he was just walking back on defense in no man's land on offensive rebounds, and the Pels were getting all the offensive rebounds. It was just a pathetic effort from him, in my opinion. His body language is awful. Just head in the clouds, not picking up, not communicating. I mean, I've watched LeBron more than any player in my life. I know exactly when he's bullshitting on defense, and the first half was exactly that. The Lakers went down by 16, but LeBron started catching fire towards the second quarter and on, made two threes, but it was answered by Herb Jones hitting three threes in the right corner in the second quarter. And a man who made... So many momentum-changing plays. Grand Theft Alvarado. What a performance by him tonight. So many of those sneaky little bastard steals from behind, and they all resulted in huge momentum changers. In the first half, that one to Herb Jones in the corner extended their lead and made it much harder for the Lakers to get back in the game. As far as the Pelicans defensively, Jonas Valanciunas was in drop coverage, and it just felt like the Lakers did not take advantage of that enough. They got worked on the glass. They were able to cut it down at half, but Zion and CJ had monster halves, and to make matters worse, Rui had a calf injury and was out for the rest of the game. So, no, you know, Lakers not catching any breaks here. They trailed 74 to 57 going into the second half 74 points that is terrible for a team that has championship aspirations second half Pels were switching a little bit more they conceded a CJ switch on LeBron and doubled they also were icing reefs to the baseline going both sides uh, when their bigs were in drop uh, Anthony Davis picked up his fourth foul and when he did he looked like he wanted no part of Zion he turned his body he didn't take the hit straight to the chest and with Zion you have to take the hit straight to the chest and take a charge there's no turning your body and just bumping him he's going to finish through contact every time so AD I think he just looked a little checked out in the second quarter uh, second half looked like he was annoyed back to back this is a tough back to back Minnesota and the Pelicans but for the Lakers to not come out with any of these wins, they've got to be better on the road. They've got to solidify their rotation, and they're just going to need their players to play better. And I mean mainly the four guys that can score 15-plus points every game. Russell, Reeves, AD, and Braun. They need to solidify something. I don't think this starting lineup is it. I don't. It's just not enough. If you're not defending well with this starting lineup, then it's got to be out because your offense is going to take a hit, and that's very obvious. So... Lakers might need to make a trade, man. They might need Zach Levine, honestly. They need something. They need to make a trade. I mean, 
LeBron and AD just aren't, aren't good enough to do this anymore with, with no other star. Or they need much higher quality role players than this if they want to do it. They can't have Torian Prince and Cam Reddish starting if they want to win. They might need to make a consolidation, trade one of these guys, and trade one of Reeves or D'Lo, probably D'Lo, and get Zach Levine in there. And start LeBron, Zach Levine, Jared Vanderbilt, Anthony Davis, and see, they need an upgrade. They can't have Cam Reddish and Torian Prince starting. I don't believe there's championship starters. But anyway, second half, Lakers just... You know, LeBron, I, I will say, offensively, as the game went on, he played much better. He actually had a good defensive possession on CJ McCollum one time that led to a 24-second shot clock violation. So I thought he, and he made some really nice passes as well. Torian Prince continued to make threes in this game. So he picked up where he left off last night. Uh, LeBron even got a dunk and a layup on a baseline cut. So I thought he played much better in this one than against Minnesota. But the Pels just were really hitting, man. Really hitting. Alvarado hit a three. Brandon Ingram was hitting threes. And then they have Larry Nance back now, so they're going to try to switch one through five with their second unit. And it looked okay. Austin Reeves, though, in this game was much better. He was hooping in the third quarter. He was getting in his bag, making contested shots. But they just couldn't string together enough stops and enough buckets. In the fourth, they cut it down to 11, 99-110. AD and LeBron started getting going. But how do they respond? Two straight Jose Alvarado steals from behind. And they both led to Brandon Ingram buckets. One on a mid-range pull-up and the other on a corner three. And that was basically it. CJ McCollum made a three to make it 122-107 to with three minutes left. And that was all she wrote. The Lakers get clapped by the Pelicans. Lose three of their last four games. They have now lost two in a row. The Pels are 19-14. and The Lakers are 17-17. and and the Pelicans get some revenge after that blowout in the in-season tournament. Let's read the lines. First for the Pels, who only went nine deep. Dyson Daniels. Actually, they played Jordan Hawkins a bit. But neither of them had much for me to report to. Or report. Dyson Daniels made a three as well. That was a backbreaker towards the end of the third quarter. But the eight rotation guys besides those guys. So actually, that would be ten deep. But the eight rotation guys besides those all played 20 or more minutes. Jose Alvarado played 20. He had eight points, three rebounds, one assist, four steals, and two blocks. Just one turnover on three for eight shooting and two for five from three. Amazing performance by Grand Theft Alvarado. It's good to see him back on the court. He is definitely effective. Najee Marshall played 21 minutes. He had six points, five rebounds, and three assists. From the Lakers' perspective, I thought he was kind of quiet. Um, but he definitely had a positive impact with those numbers. 3 for 8 from the field, 0 for 3 from deep, no free throw attempts. And the Pels in this game, as I said, shot 52% from the field, 50 from 3, and 81.5 from the line, 22 for 27. Free throw uh, disparity, not, not much in this one. Lakers shot 25 free throws and made 21 of them. They also shot pretty well from the field, 48%, but they shot 31% from 3, so second straight night, not a good 3-point shooting game because they're not a very good 3-point shooting team. 23 minutes for Larry Nance Jr. He had 11 and 10. Oh my God. 11 and 10, three assists, just one turnover. He was a plus 17, which was tied for the highest in the game for any player on any team. He was three for four from the field, one for one from three, and four for four from the line in 23 minutes. Very solid performance from Larry Nance Jr. Then the starters, all of which played 25 minutes or more. Jonas Valanciunas, Played 25 minutes, and he had 13 points, 8 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, and 1 block on 4 for 7 shooting and 5 for 5 from the line. I thought he was really good, effective on the glass, knocking down the shot and pick and pop, rebounding. 
Uh, I said effective on the glass, but yeah, really solid game. Herb Jones, man, defensively was actually quieter. Offensively was electric with those three threes in the third. 13, I'm sorry, in the second, 13 points, four rebounds and an assist. No turnovers on five for nine shooting and three for five from three in 29 minutes. But yeah. Then you've got the big three. Starting with CJ, who was lights out in this one, but he actually didn't shoot that well overall from the field. Eight for 19, six for 11 from deep. Six for 11 from deep is good. 22 points, five rebounds, nine assists, one steal, one block, and just one turnover. So a really solid game for CJ. And then you've got Brandon Ingram. His mid-range, it's just unstoppable when it's going. It's just unstoppable. There's not much you can do about it. And he was hitting his three and shooting it willingly. doesn't get much better when you have all three of your guys uh, scoring 22-plus points. That's the vision for the Pelicans. Ingram, 26 points, 5 rebounds, 8 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks on 10-for-18 shooting, 4-for-7 from 3, my only con, 2-for-5 from the line. That's got to be much better. What the hell is that? Brandon Ingram. I mean, that's talk about everywhere on the court and defending really good and then zion this is what you want to see 26 points four rebounds six assists he did turn the ball over four times and had five fouls but when he shoots 66 percent and gets to the line 12 times and makes 10 of them you'll take that all day 32 minutes for the big zion zion mode and then the lakers their nine-man rotation of Max Christie, Austin Reeves, Jackson Hayes, and Christian Wood. Former Pelican Jackson Hayes played 10 minutes. He had a donut and two rebounds. Rui Hachimura, because of his injury, only ended up playing eight minutes, four points on one-for-one one shooting and made two free throws. Jared Vanderbilt, 21 minutes. He did not play much in this game, and I do not know why. He should have played more. He was two-for-four from the field, only missed one three. Four points, two rebounds. One turnover, one steal, 21 minutes. I think you should have played more when you're conceding 129 points. <sighs> then you have Max Christie, who got back in the rotation in this one, but he wasn't making his shots. He was trying his best defensively. He was doing a good job on the glass, 7.7 boards, two steals, but he had two turnovers. He was 3 for 11 from the field and 1 for 6 from 3. The bench of the Lakers was 3 for 15 from 3. For the Pels, well, four, four, eight. So big difference there with their bench three-point shooting. Max Christie, I think he's a good player and he should probably get more minutes, but we'll see how his three ball is. It's going to have to mean you got to – someone – one role player on this team is going to have to make threes consistently. Christian Wood might be that guy, but in this game he was – he only shot threes and he was one for four. Three points, five rebounds, an assist and a block in 25 minutes. He was pretty non-existent in this game, I'm not going to lie. And, of course, when he's at the five, teams are going to know it's open season at the rim. That's all the bench players, right, besides Reeves. Torian Prince, another really solid game, in my opinion, for him. He's actually playing a lot better lately. I want to see his three-point percentage in the last 10 games. Let's see. Going into today, it was 39%. And in the last 10 games, it's 44%. So Torian Prince, he's become kind of a scapegoat at times. But I don't think you should be too harsh on him. He actually is making threes right now. 15 points, one rebound, four assists, two steals, and two blocks, two turnovers. But that's a pretty solid stat line. Five for nine from the field, four for seven from three, and one for one from the line in 34 minutes. I thought he was the only other good player outside of uh, A.D. Reeves and 
uh, LeBron. I do think you needed more from AD, though, to be honest, than this. Let's read Reeves first. He had 20 points, two rebounds, and nine assists, one steal and one block. He was a minus 19, which was the worst of any Laker. But again, I don't think that's fully reflective. I don't believe in single plus minus that much. Um, sometimes it backs up your eye test. Sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't back mine up in this one. Reeves had 20 points on 7 for 12 shooting, but two straight games where he couldn't make a 3. 1 for 5 from 3 in this game. He needs to knock down his 3 as well. Then you have AD. 20 points is not enough. It's going to be you're the number 1 option on this team now. It's very obvious. If LeBron's the number 1 option, there's no championship. I'm sorry, none. I don't care how well he played for a stretch. He's fucking 40. He just turned 39 yesterday. Get, he cannot be the best part of the championship team anymore. A, he can be the closer, but AD needs to carry them. He needs to average 25 a game. Going into tonight, he was averaging 25 a game. Perfect! But it's going to go down after this one because he only scored 20. So if he can average 25 a night in the playoffs, he's going to have to increase that to 27, 28, maybe even 30. They got a chance. 20 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. It's crazy I said he wasn't as much of a de- defensive impact because he had 5 blocks. So maybe I was wrong. But... That just shows how frequently they're getting in the paint. Because it felt like the, the uh, Pelicans, they had so many easy buckets. Yeah, they, they had 42 points in the paint. Lakers had 50. They were also hitting the shot from the outside. But AD just has to overcompensate so much. He was 7 for 15 in this game. 0 for 2 from 3. 6 for 8 from the line. I'd say LeBron was the best player in this game for the Lakers. But his defensive effort in the second quarter was shit. 34 points. 5 rebounds. 8 assists. 1 block. He turned the ball over 4 times. He was 12 for 24 from the field, so 50%. 3 for 7 from 3, so he shot well from 3 again. 7 for 8 from the line. So he just shot well overall in 37 minutes, but not good enough. If I'm the Lakers, do I panic? I would start being worried if I'm a Laker fan, straight up. The next game is against Miami. That's not easy, but you should win at home, especially if you know Jimmy Butler's not going to play against the Clippers uh, tomorrow. I'll be at the game. That'll be vlog number 15. Uh, so you should win. But if D'Lo doesn't play and Rui doesn't play, that's going to be tough. Let's look at the Lakers' schedule coming up. Let's look at the next couple of games. you got Miami and Memphis. you got a five-game homestand coming up. Heat, Grizzlies, Lakers, I'm sorry, Clippers, Raptors, Suns. They should beat the Heat. They should beat Memphis. Clippers, I don't know. I don't think they should beat us, to be honest. We're too stacked. They should beat the Raptors, and they should beat the Suns. They should get at least four wins here, and if you get those four wins, you're looking at 21-18, and and you're going in the right direction. But this team is not all that. They're not. They're really not. I'm sorry. Like, LeBron and AD need to play well, or Reeves and D'Lo need to play well, and they're not getting enough minutes, I think, sometimes when they're both on the bench to properly have that impact. So, anyway... Thank you so much for listening. That's it for, for this one. Would I panic if I'm the Lakers fans? Nah, be a little worried. There's some guys that just shouldn't be starting on a championship team. You need to make some trades. Does that mean Zach Levine? I'm not sure. Everybody, I want to thank you so much for all your listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify this season or on YouTube, or I'm sorry, this whole year. It's been probably our most successful year, either this or 2021. Uh, I can't thank all you guys enough. I'm really appreciative for all the people that I've met in real life on this, in this year, you know. This year, I've done a lot of things. It was my first full year as a Locked On Clippers host. Uh, I got my 5K subscribers. I've coached a bunch of great kids and several teams. Um, 
that I really cherish that experience with. I'm coaching a team currently. I got into a car accident. And I'm very lucky that I ended up okay with it. Um, I was able to, you know, it was more last year where I worked for my favorite team in the Rams. Uh, have seen tickets for the first time. Had to have James Harden come to my basketball team. Oh, my God. My worst nightmare. <laughs> my worst freaking nightmare, dude. Um, and, yeah, I think just kept getting better as a person. Kept There's obviously some personal things in there that I'm not going to say on the show, but definitely getting better at self-discipline and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's. I'd say it was overall my best year since I graduated college. It was better than last year, and it was better than 2021. Now, it's not saying much because those years are pretty rough for me, and then 2020 was the dog shit worst year of everyone's life. So, and 2019 and 2018 were the best years of my life. So, we're going back in the right direction, and I have to say that you guys are huge for me in that regard, um, are always there for me, and are a community that are will, is willing to listen to the bullshit I say and support me through things, and uh, that truly means the world. And as I said, this year is going to be huge. I think we did a lot better in 2023, but 2024, we're going to another level. We're going to keep building off this and we're going to start doing some new things. And I'm telling you, it's going to get bigger. It's going to get better. And I know some of you guys have been here since I was streaming off my webcam, stream off my freaking computer webcam. Uh, with no stream yard, no nothing. So I appreciate you guys a whole lot, a whole lot. So that's it. For me, for the year. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar a dime. Peace and have a great new year.